Tim Blankenship here with Divorce 661 Daily Perspective, episode number 46, Day in the Life of an LDA, where I go over the work I've done to help you guys learn the mistakes that clients are making uh, and how I fixed it and the, talk about the people that hired us. And by the way, uh, get your comments in on YouTube. In the comments, uh, get your questions in on the comments. If you guys have questions about something I'm talking about or anything unrelated to the video in question, get your questions. I just went through the last 30 days of, of questions, um, and I'll be answering those today, and I'll be doing that more frequently. So definitely get your questions in, because this is a daily uh, broadcast. It goes out at 5 o'clock every day, so it's up to the minute, up to the up-to-date current things that are happening. First, we always go over the stats for the day. Um, had eight, eight consultations today. Uh, keep in mind, you can uh, call and leave a message and I'll get back to you as soon as I can, or you can schedule a consultation on the uh, divorce661.com website and select a time that works for you. Two new judgment uh, reject cases. So I had two cases, a Pomona case and a Sacramento case. Today, clients hired me to finalize their paperwork. They're trying to do their own. On the Pomona case, they tried to do their judgment it got rejected. The Sacramento case, I believe she said that she saw what was all involved with that and didn't want to mess it up and so hired me. And that's where people will hire me generally is they'll do the summons petition proof of service, which is where these folks were at. Uh, the, the Pomona case, they tried to turn in the judgment, got rejected. Um, I already, uh, that guy hired me as well and I already have their documents and I will, as soon as this video is done, I will have their paperwork finalized and uh, they can sign and I can e-file and they will be done. Uh, two new cases. Uh, so I separate the, the people that started and then hired us from the people who hire us from scratch. I right? two new cases from scratch. Both LA County uh, filed both downtown LA. One was a summary dissolution. I like doing those if you qualify. Basically, no assets or debts, um, no children, no alimony, and uh, short-term marriage under five years. We do a lot of those every month. It's good for me. It's good for you because no one gets served. No one goes to court. There's no notary. Uh, we file, and then six months later, you're automatically divorced. So it's a good way to go. Uh, three new judgments submitted for court review. So generally what that looks like is I would uh, completed these judgments yesterday, sent them out to the clients to electronically notarize and e-sign, and uh, they got those in overnight, and I was able to e-file those with the court today. So those are under review, and we should have those approved by end of day because most of the LA County judgments uh, submissions are getting same-day approval or next day, which is amazing. Uh, five cases where I have finalized the settlement agreement and judgment package and sent out for signature. So to, today, not only did I submit the cases that were signed yesterday, today I filed the judgments. I also prepared five cases for five final judgment packages and settlement agreements for clients who got me their information yesterday or the day before. All right, let's get into your questions. Um, first question <clears throat> came in via email. And uh, that's fine as well. I don't have my email published because I get a lot of spam emails, people trying to sell me stuff. So the comments are going to be best uh, in on YouTube, and I'll probably do that weekly or monthly. I don't, we'll just see how many questions that come up. But we have 10, 12 questions for you guys today. And if you want like a, an idea of what it's about, we're talking about default with agreement cases, talking about uh, child support, uh, talking about the DISO master calculators, uh, can you use a PO box on your divorce paperwork, uh, how to do an interspousal deed transfer. Uh, I'm going to talk about the judgment itself, the FL-180. People think that that's the actual settlement agreement. It is not. Um, living out of state and filing in California. We're going to talk about the judgment reject sheet and the um, judgment prep instructions. Um, 
And we're talking about dismissing your case and why you should never do that. All right, let's get into number one. So here's the question. I'm just going to read it verbatim as it was given to me. It says, for divorce with amicable terms, married over 10 years in California, can they file a default with agreement and never have to submit the 150 and 160? That's the income and expense declaration and, and um, property declaration to the court if they also include a waiver in their final judgment. So let me tackle that one first. So Filing a default with agreement is not has nothing to do with the length of marriage. Anyone can do default with agreement. All of our cases, short-term marriage, long-term marriage, that that is just a procedural process whereby a response isn't filed purposely the way we do it. So you're not paying a secondary court fee for either the response or the um, if you file that FL-130 appearance form, that will also trigger a uh, a fee. The gentleman that in Pomona that just uh, hired me a few minutes ago, he's turning his judgment. It was rejected, and they're trying. They said the four hundred thirty-five dollars is due. I haven't reviewed what he submitted just yet, but my guess is because he said he did not file a response, so I'm guessing he filed that one thirty. Fortunately, they didn't file it. They rejected it, and um, that way they're, they're not going to collect the fee. We're just not going to turn that in next time when I when I finalize this paperwork tonight. Um, Unlike the case yesterday, I was talking about, I think it was Sacramento, I can't, I forget where it was, where they filed it, even the one, the appearance stipulation of waivers, FL 130, they filed it and because it was submitted and then said the fee was due, which the court should just reject it. They shouldn't accept it. And then, you know, because that was a mistake. Uh, so don't do that. So, uh, yeah, amicable terms, great. Default with agreement, that's the way to go when you guys are amicable because it doesn't trigger that secondary fee. And the you don't have to submit uh, the um, income and expense declaration or property, de property declarations. So I did a video yesterday. If you guys look down, or you no, know, today it went, uh, a couple, a lot of videos went out today. Look for the one that talks about the guidance file. I think it says, I think the, the caption says uh, the dark side of e-filing. If you try and file your paperwork using the guide and file system that is anywhere through, you can do that with any court, I think, most courts through California, it's going to force you to sign, uh, complete the income and expense declaration and the property declaration FL-160. You have no option on that. It will force you to do it. That's why I say watch that video. Watch the, the dark side of, um, of e-filing. And uh, I don't want to go over that again. I, I, I think it was a three or four minute video. I talked about why you don't want to do that. So yeah, you don't, when you, if you're, if you're amicable, uh, I believe there was no kids, um, anything like that. So yeah, it's just, there was no mention of kids anyways. So all you need to file in LA County, I believe you were in, is a summons and petition. And that's going to be everywhere in California. And then each court generally has a local form. In, in in LA County, it's called case cover sheet. So I don't know exactly what county was in, but just there might be a local form, you know, depending on the county you're in. So that's all you need to file. You don't need to attach the 150s. You don't need to attach the 160s. If you watch my videos on how to to file for divorce, you can just search through my channel. I go into how we don't attach the income and expense for property declarations. In fact, where it says separate and community property on the petition, I always write uh, parties intend to submit a full agreement on all issues or something like that. And so that's what I would recommend you do. Second part of the question, and if it's possible, how would that look like on a on the written agreement to ensure the court accepts it without having to list all the property assets we've already divided? So the, when it comes to the judgment package, uh, 
Um, there's a specific checklist. If you want to pull up the FL 182, it's a judgment checklist. You're going to want to follow the second chest checklist, which is default with the written agreement tells you the forms to use. So what that's going to look like if you're using the forms, which I recommend versus a settlement agreement is all you're going to have is, um, there's a lot of forms that make up the judgment package, but the settlement agreement that's made up of the FL 180, the FL 343 spouse support order and the FL 345 property order, then you need a signature page behind that that you sign and notarize. And you can just make up like a, a signature page on a Word doc. So that's what that looks like. Now, specifically what that looks like, if you guys have already divided your assets and debts, you can still list them on there. What do you guys, who took what? Uh, we'll capture that same information. If you don't want to list it for whatever reason, what I recommend you do is you simply say there's no community property be to be divided on the community property side. And then on the separate property, just put um, for petitioner respondent, put, you know, for petitioner, you can say any and all assets and debts in petitioner's name or possession. And the same language for respondent, just change it to respondent. And that's how simple your, your settlement agreement can be. There's some other um, procedural forms on default with agreement. That part's the settlement agreement. You have the 190 uh, judgment. Uh, you have the or entry of judgment. You have the 165, 170, you both have to have the 141 disclosure forms. And 570, 144, that's your final waiver of disclosure. Um, but you still need to do the preliminaries. So hopefully that answers your question there. Number two, the the, the now we're into the YouTube questions uh, and comments. Need help, husband filed, and is lying about the separation date. We've been married 18 years but he says it's only been nine years. So first off, I don't give legal advice. Everything I talk to you guys about is procedurally procedural tactics, like the forms and how to get through the court and judgment reject issues. So none of this is to be legal advice. But what can I tell? What I can tell you, having worked for attorneys in the past and um, working for the courts, that that is being specifically done to try and reduce the amount of time you've been married, obviously, and purposely bringing it under less than 10 years because they're trying to get away with not paying spouse support for a long period of time. That's what I would read into this. Um, the question is, what can I do? Well, you're going to have to file a response. It's obviously a contested case. There's already falsehoods being put forth. So you file your response and you put down what you think the actual data separation is and the length of marriage. So the answer to the question is, in this case, you need to file a response. There are entire trials over um, the data separation when people are playing these games, uh, trying to reduce it less than 10 years, which is obviously the game here. I don't have to ever deal with that because we're not dealing with those types of clients, but get your response in, put your dates of separation in there. And if you're already starting off your divorce this way, you guys are going to end up in court at some point. And one of the issues that will be addressed is the date of separation. He's going to try and justify the nine-year marriage. You're going to just have to justify the 18-year marriage. And that'll be done through like, when, when did one of you actually move out? Or when did you guys actually talk about divorce? Were you guys still carrying on as a married couple? There's a whole bunch of things. Again, I don't get into the legal aspect of that, but they're, I'm aware of them. We don't have to have to address them, but uh, you probably... Uh, uh, going to need an attorney to represent you to argue why it's an 18-year marriage because it's a big difference between a short-term marriage under 10 and getting spouse support for five years, half the length of the marriage, or a long-term marriage getting um, spouse support technically for a long time. Number three, one of the questions was, when do you file the FL-190? So this is the uh, 
entry of judgment, you're going to file the 190 with the 180 and all its attachments and all the other procedural judgment forms that I just talked about in uh, question number one, the judgment package. Follow that FL 182. You're going to turn those all in at the same time. Number four, what date do you write on the child support order to start child support? We don't know when the divorce will be finalized. So, and I understand what the question is. So they turn, they're going to turn in their judgment package for review. And some courts can take several months to review and approve. So they're wondering on the child support order, what date, and this would, this would follow suit for spouse support too. When should you start the, the payment on that? The, the orders ask, when will child support start? And you fill in the date. So it does, what I, you don't have to try and time it uh, with the, when you think the divorce will be finalized. Um, you can start it last month. You can start it this month. You can start it, you know, so it's January 25th. You could start it, you know, February 1st, March 1st. The court's not going to have an issue with it. If you want to start when the divorce is finalized, you can write upon entry of judgment. And that means once it's approved, and that's that's a totally suitable time frame because it'll be reflected based on the entry of judgment. So when it does get approved, you'll get it in the mail. Say, oh, okay, it was approved on, you know, February 3rd. That's when we can start the child support based on the way you drafted that. So that language is... Um, upon entry of judgment. Alrighty. Um, number five, where do you find the child support calculation? I think the way the question was written is where's the link to check child support? Um, just Google, and I should have done this before. I guess I could do it real quick. Um, just Google child support um, calculation. Um, let me just do it real quick. Child support calculation. Because I, I did find one a few months ago by an attorney that's actually really easy to use calculator California. Let me see if it comes up real quick. I remember her name. It's an attorney. Let me, let me see if I can remember her name. Um, you can go to child, you can go to child support.ca.gov for the child support portion, but there's also, um, gosh, what was her name? Let's see if I can find it really quickly. If not, Oh yeah. So Kristen low law, C R I S T I N low law.com she has a uh, child support calculator is very simple to use and if you, so you just i just put child support calculator california came up like on the fourth um search on there so yeah i i, I like that one i didn't pull it up earlier but i have looked at it i would i would recommend you guys use that and, it, and you just print that out and you'll attach that to your child support order when you're turning in your judgment Number six, can you use a P.O. box for your address? I thought that was a good question. The answer is yes. Um, we do that all the time. Uh, P.O. box is completely fine. Um, you're still going to want, like if you have children and you're doing the, the FL 105 UCCJA, you're still going to want to use the address where the children actually live. Um, but yeah, a P.O. box is completely satisfactory for uh, your, your, uh, your court paperwork. Number seven, interspousal deed transfers. If one spouse is keeping the house, um, where where do you do that? Um, was the question. So you would do that through the county recorder's office. It's not part of the divorce process. It's not done through the divorce court. So whatever county you're in, go to the county recorders or county assessor's office, whatever they call it, and you're going to do a quit claim deed, also known as an interspousal deed transfer. Now keep in mind that takes you off the deed or your spouse off the deed. You still have the mortgage to contend with if you're on that. And that's a whole nother topic that we've talked about extensively in the past. Number eight, FL, FL 180 
the this says judgment on it. The FL1A, when you're going to turn in your final paperwork, it's not the judgment. I know it says judgment on there, but that's not the judge. That's not it. Like the, people will turn just that form in thinking it's the judgment and they won't. If you look at page two of the FL 180, it talks about, you know, on, on all the different issues, child support, spouse support, custody, visitation, all that, the property division, what is attached to the 180? Is it a settlement agreement? Did you write something up? Is the 343 spouse support order form attached? So you still need those attachments. And that what that's what makes up the settlement agreement itself is the attachments to that, uh, whether it's a narrative settlement agreement that you're drafting, a written agreement, or it's the forms, which the combination of the forms make up the settlement agreement as well. I see people turning just that that 180 in, and that's that's just a face page, if that makes sense. Number nine, can you be the petitioner if you live out of state and your spouse lives in California? So I kind of phrased that question. This came up um, on a consultation today. They lived in San Diego. He moved to Nevada, and he wanted to file in California and use our service. But he said, I, I, I need to convince my wife to file because she's the one that lives in California. And that's that's not true. Either party can file, can be the petitioner, even if you don't live in California, as long as one of you do. So I said, hey, you can still be the petitioner and use your Nevada address. We'll be saying that the, the jurisdiction that allows us to file in San Diego is based off the respondent's zip code. And that's, and that's for any county in California. Same rules apply. Only one party, and it doesn't matter who it is, and it doesn't matter if you're not the person living there and you're the petitioner, that's still totally fine. Number 10, default without agreement. Let me just read the notes here. Helping a friend and reject said multiple reject items, seek legal advice. Okay, so this was on another, this came actually, it wasn't a question on YouTube. This came up as a question um, in a consultation. So um, no good deed goes unpunished is what I told her. She was helping a friend do her, she was doing her divorce for her. And um, unfortunately it was, the other party was not participating. So it's going to be a true default uh, case. And when your paperwork that you turn into the court, like your judgment package, if it's so bad, like it's so messed up and they know it and they know you're self-represented, they're not going to go through your entire divorce case and tell you all the things that are wrong with it. All it said was there are multiple reject items uh, that we are not going to identify, seek legal advice. That's how bad the, the paperwork was. And I talked to her for a good 20 minutes. The issues are, are number one that I could tell because I can't see the forms online. When you give me your case number on these consultations, I see the form number that was filed. I don't see the image of the document. So I have to usually have them read off what they did. And what she did, one of the first error was that it's, it's not an error, but the, when it's a default without an agreement, uh, it's highly technical. It's also known as a true default. And then the petition has to be filed a certain way. You can have no errors and it has to be done a certain way. The uh, the what the main issue appeared to be that she marked other on the spousal support and wrote none. And I've talked about this extensively. You do not mark that. That other box is a trap. You have three options. I talked. I think I talked about this in the last three videos. Reserve jurisdiction for both parties. That means uh, no spouse support now, but some in the future. Um, terminate the court's jurisdiction over spouse support. That means no spouse support now or ever. And then the other boxes, spouse port payable to one party or the other. Use one of those three boxes. Don't mark other. And on this case, they were married less than 10 years. So they'll be able to get this through and terminate spouse support because it's not a long-term marriage. So they're not going to have that issue. But she needs to refile the petition. She so they did or did not file the default. I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. Now this person has to amend the petition, make sure it's correct. You get one opportunity. 
amend the summons and petition, refile it, reserve it. Um, so refile it, reserve it, wait another 31 days, and then, then you have the ability to turn in the default and, and default judgment package again at that point. And a, a question she has, she goes, well, we're already past the six months. Do I still have to wait the 31 days after we amend the petition? And the answer is yes. The, the six-month cooling off period has nothing to do with you amending your petition. So if you're way beyond the six months like they were and you amend the petition and reserve it, they have another 31 days of time to respond. And so you, you have to wait that amount of time before you can turn in your uh, request in or default again. I think that was it for that. Number 11, um, FL 182 judgment prep instructions uh, of the various type of judgments. I brought that up a couple times earlier, uh, I think on number one, as far as the forms that you need. Um, you know, it, it's a good checklist. It, it gives you the forms. I told you there's three types of, well, yes, not in this video, but I've talked before about the three types of divorce cases, default without agreement, like we were just talking about, default with agreement and uncontested. And there's the three different checklist on this FL-182. Um, just Google it and uh, just put you know FL-182 California Divorce Judgment Checklist. Use that as a guide for it's, it's just the judgment documents. It's nothing else. So you have to have done everything else prior to that. But it's a good um, checklist for which forms you need to complete. And number 12, I want to tell you about dismissing your case. I, I wrote this down. Really think about it before you dismiss your case. You can leave your divorce case pending and pending status for quite some time while you guys work on your marriage and you're trying to reconcile. Almost every case where my clients say they want it dismissed, I explained this to them, but then they always sign the dismissal and they almost always refile within the year, which comes with all new costs. So every time a, a client will say, Tim, we want to re reconcile, we want to dismiss the case, what do we do? I'll say, consider this, just let the case sit there you know, they're, they may dismiss it on their own anyways after a year or two. You'll get notices, leave the case active, work on your marriage, reconcile, see if it works out. And then if, you know, if it doesn't work out, then we just pick up where we left off a year or two later. Nobody listens to me because I, and I get it, you know, they want to, they want to show to their spouse that they're, um, you know, going to put forth the full effort of trying to reconcile. And it's not this like in limbo where they can immediately just go back to the case. But almost every case that we've dismissed, um, we have, we have to refile. So I just got emailed today from a client that we just dismissed their case maybe eight months ago last year. And he's like, Tim, we're going to you know file for divorce again. I know we signed the dismissal and have to start over. And I'm like, yeah. And when I looked up their case, um, where we were at in the, in the process, we had already filed, served disclosures, the whole, the judgment, the settlement agreement, it was all put together. And even one of them had already signed the settlement agreement. Um, and all it took was them to sign. Now we have to start from scratch, new case number, new court fees. I have to charge a new fee again because we're starting all over again, and, all, and but we're going to repeat that process. So really think about it before you dismiss your case. Um, I, I, I tell every client who wants to dismiss it to hold off, and they don't. I understand why, but just know you're going to have new fees and uh, um, with the court and with me as well. So get your questions in, folks. Uh, get them into the comment section of YouTube. I will be answering them. Uh, we get some interesting comments. You know, it is divorce, so we get some, I don't say weirdos, but we get weird comments in there that are very unhelpful, calling me names and why you support divorce and, you know, stuff like that. And I, I'm obviously nothing to respond to there, but ask a legitimate question. I'll give you a legitimate answer. Keep it to, uh, you know, forms and process and procedure. No legal advice. I just, I can't do that with what I do. Um, and I hope you enjoyed episode 46 of The Daily Perspective.
We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good day.